Gully's big and bold radio conversation. There's always something good on. Your radio doctor, business, everything tech, and Rwanda's green agenda. Saturdays at 10 a.m. Hello and welcome to yet another broadcast of Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. My name is Jesse the African Sun. What a good day to be grateful today. Ephraim Ramwenje here, student of business, is here as well to take us through financial forecasting or business cash flow insights. Ephraim, how are you? What are you grateful for today? Uh, life. Life. I'm mm. grateful for life. Great. We started on this series of uh, business cash flow insights. And today we want to talk about forecasting and budgeting strategies. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just help me to understand the importance of forecasting to begin with. Okay, so I'm not going to delay on it. I've in the previous episodes we talked about the importance of planning, (laughs) and 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 obviously just to to touch back on what we talked about when we talked about the biggest challenges when it comes to cash flow for any business owner um, is when you commingle your personal finances with company money, where you eat company money Mm. you literally steal from your company and i mentioned that sometimes those things granted we never went into the the details of how to solve that but when i when i when we continued talking yesterday i mean on our previous episode about how to manage your cash flow and how to handle some of these challenges i talked about planning Mm. and i talked about planning because again People really underestimate how effective planning is. You know, there's this popular thought that has been going around that, oh, the business plan is overrated. Oh, the business plan is overrated. I think the business plan in its traditional sense is overrated. They're putting on paper? No, you need to put everything on paper. Jesse, don't you you read your Bible? There's actually a scripture in Habakkuk 2 verse 2 where it says that you write everything down. Pretty much if you want to see your plan succeed, if you want to see your goals come to fruition, you need to put them on paper. And I'm not talking of literal paper. Even even digital paper is enough. But you need to write them down. But what I meant by that is that, yes, the business plan in its traditional sense is overrated because a business plan, let's look at the purpose of why a business plan was designed in the first place. Like right now, if you ask a business person, what's the purpose of designing a business plan? If they look for me and they're like, Ephraim, um, I have some money. I want you to help me do a business plan. Most of them are going to the bank to look for money mm. or they're going to an investor to look for money. Very few people do an internal business plan. An internal business plan is not something that's going to be 100 pages long, no. An internal business plan is going to be what? Uh, 10 pages long? If you really have something to say, but if you're being concise and straight to the point like any entrepreneur who should be, as you should be as an, any entrepreneur would be, um, five pages I told this to 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 you guys in I think this was episode two where I talked about the the what the who the how and the why. If you can write those in very concise paragraphs, that's enough. Because the how is the the how is the business model. So this is where you have your marketing strategies, mm-hmm. your go to market strategies, your pricing strategies, how you're going to handle competition, product management, and all of that. But in essence, that is why you need a plan. Now, taking it back now to cash flow, we're talking about forecasting. The reason why you plan is to do two things. One, it's to give you clarity on where you want to go. There's something that's very, 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 very powerful when you know where you want to go. 
Mm. It's a very you 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 save on time, you save on money, you save on the stress. I'll give you a simple example. Let's just use the analogy of, of driving from where you stay to work. If you woke up in the morning, entered your car, and you're like, oh man, I really, really just want to drive. And I want to drive. And I want to get to... You don't even know where you want to get to. You've just woken up and you're like, I'm going to get into my car and I'm going to drive. At some point, you're going to run out of fuel and you're going to go through all sorts of, 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 of... Sorry for the vulgarity, but nonsense. And you will achieve nothing at the end of the day. But when you take a step back and you're like, okay... I am going to go to, let's say, town, or I'm going to go to Chiwagawaga, I'm going to go to Kagugo or Chichichiro, and you get into your car knowing where you're going to go and for what purpose. You save on fuel, you know which roads to use to avoid traffic, you know how long it should take you to get there, and then you can move on to the next thing. And unfortunately, when you don't forecast and plan, you find that you normally are taken with the wind. And this happens to a lot of entrepreneurs. Myself, I was, I was also included in this where you now end up becoming quote-unquote a serial entrepreneur, where you have many, like almost like 25 side hustles of, of one is your main business, other another is another opportunity you jumped onto, another one a friend has asked you to join. And I'm not saying looking for multiple streams of income is wrong, but there's a you need to have a governing principle that determines what opportunities you pursue. And that should be driven by your values, which is now the why. Now, forecasting in, in cash flow. When you forecast, you know where you're going to go. You have the end in mind. Number two, you can foresee potential shortfalls. Yesterday, we talked about, uh, on our previous episode, we talked about seasonality of of cash flows, the cycles in, in a business. If you can sit and forecast, you can predict those cycles. And you can say, okay, I'm going to have th- three good months of excessive cash flow. And I'm going to have another six months of poor cash cash inflow. So how can I manage and prepare for those fluctuations in 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 what I expect? So once you do that forecasting, it helps you prepare for those eventualities because it's again it's inevitable for you to have up seasons and down seasons. So forecasting is that's the critical reason to 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 ensure or the main importance of making sure that you forecast when it comes to cash flow. Take me straight to components mm-hmm. that businesses should consider when creating the cash flow forecast mm-hmm. the components yes okay so again you need to figure out how does your money come in as of today mm. and how does your money leave as of today then ask based on your business strategy how those will change both positively and negatively what do i mean by that so today you get you have three contracts, uh, Jesse. Um, people who are buying um, media media services, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have that's your inflow, three contracts, right? Then you have outflow. You have let's say five employees and consultants and contractors. You have rent of offices. You have marketing and other costs and other admin expenses. Those are let's say five cost like cost line items, right? Mm-hmm. Your business strategy is to ensure that you grow your company, investing, let's say, 20% of your profit in extra capacity. That means you're going to maybe increase the number of staff. You're going to increase maybe the size of your office space. Your your admin is also going to go up. That's your outflow. It's linked to your business strategy. It's going to increase. Your inflow, you're, you're pursuing, let's say you have a conversion rate of 
10%. Meaning for every 10 clients you talk to, one actually takes, um, buys something from you or buys some services from you. Mm. Now in that, with that ratio, you have one client who is added every, every three months. So in your forecast, you're like, okay, this is how much I'm getting today. And this is how much I anticipate from this contract because you have some contracts that are long-term, short-term and mid-term. So you find, you're like, okay, I'm going to be making this money from these three clients. This is what's going to happen based on my strategy. I'm going to have four clients or five clients by end of month six. And you do that for 12 months and for 24 months. Now, again, when you plan, planning is not set in stone because it's, it's, you have to keep reviewing it because circumstances change. But the most important point of forecasting and, I've, and we highlighted on this is just to know what the end might look like. And so it acts as a guide. What can I expect roughly? Slight deviation of maybe 10% plus or minus, but you have that understanding. And so those are the components. Know where you are today. Look in terms of what comes in and what goes out. And so try to figure out what, based on your business strategy, how that current situation will be affected. Let me wonder, Ephraim, yes, you know, sir. as you speak about this, I'm imagining that not every entrepreneur has got the capacity to really put numbers together and draw the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. There's one thing being an entrepreneur, you have the heart to start things, but what expertise do you then require to have the details mm. and the accuracy on, on numbers, inflows, outflows, mm-hmm. and then knowing the cycles? Okay, so not every entrepreneur is technical when it comes to numbers. Mm-hmm. And I would say that that is a disadvantage, but it's not a hindrance. In the sense that if you cannot understand how to work numbers as an entrepreneur, you're at a disadvantage because your competitor can look at the books and immediately know how to figure figure it out and can prepare a forecast without having to look for for a professional to help. Mm. But if you don't know how to handle it, I mean, I know most entrepreneurs cannot hire an expert to do it in terms of hiring in-house staff who handles accounting and all of that. So that's when you find guys like myself where professionals we come in. But beyond that, there are some tools. In today's world, um, we, we, we are seeing how artificial intelligence is really changing the game. Mm. But, you know, like any computer, um, there's a saying from time immemorial and it has never changed, you know, that shows you that it's really the truth because truth is timeless, yes? Mm -hmm. Garbage in, garbage out. So if you don't know how to use these AI tools effectively, you find that you don't get the kind of results you desire. And so, again, there are professionals like me, but I'm not going to sit there and and do the work for you. That's not what, what Ephraim does. Um, what I would do is I'll show you how to maximize based on your current situation, your circumstances, how to maximize the tools at your disposal. So pretty much instead of giving you fish, I'll teach you how to fish. Mm. And so I think most business, small businesses in today's world have to embrace technology to be able to be significantly more competitive. And that's an advantage that a lot of young entrepreneurs, at least young people have in today's world is that we can really compete against the legacy old boys, the big companies, because they're too slow to embrace how AI can help them with cash flow forecasting. Granted, they have professionals that they're paying, so we can level the game when we use a computer against them to compete. So Mm -hmm. what I'm just trying to say is that as any small entrepreneur or small business owner, um, I would say that embrace technology 
there's so many man there's so many tools out there embrace technology to help you with with some of this stuff especially cash flow forecasting there's something i think technology will not be able to do mm-hmm. uh, and that could be on removing the assumptions mm-hmm. in regard to the business and enterprise is involved in mm-hmm. uh, this might require a bit of research to to know a few things here and there mm-hmm. within your ecosystem mm-hmm. uh, how in the sense of accuracy how can entrepreneurs be spot on with mm-hmm. what they are dealing with the reality is maybe if you're lucky you will have information about the sector you're in when you're in the business for between 1 to 3 years mm-hmm. about 30% mm. that's your local market mm. when you go 3 to 5 years that increases to about 40% by the time you become quote unquote a seasoned entrepreneur in any sector this is between another 5 to 10 years your accuracy of information is probably at about maybe about 60% and it never goes above that so what normally happens is that you want to look for information but you also don't want to fall in the trap of waiting to get all the information with about 30% 30 to 35% of information about your sector about the context of the the environment and the ecosystem and the economy at, at any given moment is enough for you to act is that by default or it's something you have to be intentional about you have to be very intentional about it and i think thank you for bringing that up an entrepreneur needs to really take the time to really understand that business and understand the sector that they're in you know a lot of guys will see serial entrepreneurs like the dangotes of this world i'm using him as an example because I mean he's the he's somebody that everybody knows mm-hmm. at least most people do if at least if you're in business Dangote has a Dangote group right and Dangote group has I don't know how many subsidiaries so most people will think oh that's okay like I can have multiple businesses that I've invested in but you're forgetting that Dangote started Dangote in 1977 mm-hmm. he started the company at, at least he laid the foundations for his business career in 1977 that's a long time ago Jesse like i don't know if you were born at that at that time you know i don't know how I, I really look like I, I, i'm joking, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> no but seriously though like 1977 is a long time ago and so if you sit there and you're like you have been running a business for for 2 years 3 years 5 years and you're now diversifying your portfolio it's too early And I'm saying this because I was I fell in that trap. So what normally happens with diversification of your portfolio? I'm not saying look don't invest. There's a difference between investments and business. Let me give you a simple uh, illustration. We have four ways people earn income. There's employment, self-employment, there's business and there's investments. So obviously employment and self-employment I'm not going to talk about them. I'll come back to self-employment later after we come back. But business is where you're not actively involved using other people's time and other people's money. Hmm. Investment is passive. So if you want to go invest in something and it's passive it's fine. That's diversifying your portfolio. But if you're going to look for another thing that requires your time, literally another business, you're going to be stretching yourself too thin. And so when it comes to the intentionality of understanding the business you're in, I'd say one word, focus. Doctor, business, everything tech, and Rwanda's green agenda. Saturdays at 10 a.m. Welcome back to this broadcast, and uh, I hope that together you and me get to learn what we need to do 
to champion our enterprises in a better way. We're speaking cash flow management and uh, Ephraim Romanja is here from Salty to just have this conversation with us. Ephraim, uh, prior to getting into our break, you mentioned something to do with a self-employment. Yeah. Uh, all of us dream to be self-employed, but you seem to have an issue of self-employment. What is it? Uh-huh. Scalability. Mm. Scalability. Okay, Jesse, you're a doctor. You've went to school for I don't know how many years. You labeled, you specialized, you're a neurosurgeon or a, pedi- a pediatrician or a gynecologist, mm. whatever, right? You can either start a hospital and hire other doctors so that you can treat not just one patient at a time, you can treat five or ten at a time, depending on how many doctors you have on staff. Or you can decide, I'm going to open my practice, call it Maxella or the African Sun Health Clinic or Hospital, and then what ends up happening? You can only deal with one client at a time. Mm. And so most people think that a doctor with a practice where he's running it by himself is a business. But until you're leveraging other people's time and other people's money, you've not scratched the surface. What do I mean by that? And I'm going to keep it short here because I know you can talk and I can talk if you don't summarize this. (laughs) Um, You have other people's time is when you bring employees, qualified, skilled people, leverage that day. They give you that nine to five every day, obviously in return for something, but they're bringing that skills, that capacity and that time and they're doing work towards your vision. You're leveraging that, that capacity. So what happens is that you who had on an average, if you really worked hard as an entrepreneur, 14 hours a day, you've just added another maybe about 12 or 10 hours to your day. And then if you have two more employees, those are 20 hours. And then you, and you add three, four, five more and you find you're now at 100 hours a day. And so someone's like, okay, time is finite. Time is, you only have 24 hours in a day. Okay, whoever says that doesn't know that you actually have to sleep. So minus the eight hours of healthy sleep, because I do believe in balance, you're now left with 16 hours of sleep. I mean, of work, work, work time. Okay, minus wasted time in terms of eating, um, exercise and all of that, remove maybe another three hours and movements and maybe four hours. So you're left with 12 good hours to work. And we'd all know that our productivity is not 100%, put that at 80%. So you're dealing with 10 hours of productive time in your life. Mm. You're one man. But now imagine if you hire 100 men who are giving you, worst case scenario, five hours of productive time a day. That's 500 hours you have every day to do what you want to do. So self-employment is very limited. Now, when it also talk, we talk of other people's money, we're talking of investors, raising capital, using bank facilities, because you may have your savings. You may have, let's say, 1 million or 5 million. But if the bank is like, what's your equity contribution to this transaction or to this business? You're like, I'm giving 30%. They're going to take that depositor's money, top up, 60 uh, 70% on top of your 30%, which was your 2 million, your 1 million, or 5 million, and give you, let's say, 15 million or 10 million extra mm. to be able to do that. So that's that's what I'm trying to say that one should not un- misunderstand what self employment is and what a business is. When you work for your business, what makes you a business owner is that if you receive a dividend from a business that you are actively engaged in. Mm-hmm. Receiving a salary is necessary, and that's another conversation for another day about cash flow, where I was telling you you don't commingle finances. But when you receive that salary, it helps. You need it for your survival. You need it for your upkeep. You need it to take care of your family if you do have one. 
But the day your business is able to give you a return on investment and you're expecting a dividend on profit, you're expecting a a percentage on the profits that you generated from your activity in that business when you have employees part of that, you're leveraging other people's time, other people's money, other people's skills, then you can call yourself a a business owner or an entrepreneur. But when you're relying on your sweat equity day in, day out to generate an income, you're self-employed. Well, that's some good insight. Well... Let me take it in. Okay. So <laughs> let's look, get back you look, to you look, you look stressed. Jesse. It's okay. You, you can you can breathe. I'm not attacking you. <laughs> let's get back to our cash flow. What forecasting techniques mm-hmm. or methods would you recommend for a business of different size or industries? Okay. So forecasting is very straightforward, especially when it comes to cash flow. Get an Excel sheet. Put inflow, outflow. Then you do your net cash for the period, and then you do your cumulative. So start with what you have in cash at that juncture. Hmm. And so cash is cash and cash equivalents. So cash is how much you have in the bank, how much you have in cash, how much you have on Momo. That's how much you have. You add it up, you put it there. And I'm not talking of money that's pledged to go somewhere. If you're already committed to paying somebody, let's say, 50,000 francs and you're on your Momo, you have 100K, don't put at the opening balance, put um, put 100K. No, put 50. What is yours? That's your opening balance. You put it up at the top. Now, again, not everybody's conversant with, with Excel. I'm always willing and open to show people how to do this. This is a service that my company provides. So we help you develop the tools. But the techniques are very straightforward. Inflow, outflow, inflow, outflow, and then you plan according to that. I mentioned it. Link it to your business strategy. But you can't have a business strategy. You can't do that if you don't have a business strategy. That's also another thing. And so, again, there are tools for that. You need to develop your strategic plan, which is, quote-unquote, your business plan. Mm. The what, the who, the how, and the why. For the next one year, for the next six months, for the next one year, for the next two years. Since we have just about six minutes, yes, sir. Uh, how do businesses create effective budgets? I know budgets and planning almost go hand in hand, mm-hmm. but how do businesses create effective budgets that align with their cash flow forecasts? So two things. One, uh, realism. Two, prudence. Those are the two words. Mm-hmm. You need to be realistic with your budgets. Don't budget on money you don't have. Mm. But don't you can do- plan on money you don't have. <laughs> don't budget on money you don't have. You can forecast to get money. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. And you can forecast how you're going to invest that money. But because a budget, a budget is not something you're budgeting for six months. You're budgeting for the next month. Mm-hmm. Budgets are monthly. Um, they're monthly control. Mm-hmm. They're monthly um, tool. So if you go the route of trying to budget money you've not yet received, you're going to get frustrated. So this is what happens. Be realistic. So once you're reali- realistic, you say, okay, realistically, I'm getting X amount of money in X period, and I know it's guaranteed, right? Mm-hmm. When more money comes, you will adjust the budget because it's not like the budget is set in stone and it goes somewhere and it's gazetted and it's put, in, it's put on Twitter or it's put in, in, in our constitution. No. This is something that you can change. So you do that. You first fig- realistic, you figure out the budget. Once you've done that, the next step is to be prudent. What does prudency mean? Prudence means that even if you're paying for something today at 1000 in your budget, always add a buff of 20% for price fluctuations. 
so that you don't get shocked by it. So you have budgeted with that buffer, that extra 20%. If you survive and you don't end up using that 20%, you can put it towards something else. You can put it into a savings account where you're going to use it for further investment into the business or something else. Now, before I close on this one, I think the last bit around budgeting that is very, 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 very key is that budgets, are. you need to understand the purpose of a budget. We talked about outflow of money. We talked of, when you talked of cash flow, you have your inflows and your outflows. We said that you need to manage your outflows so that you can be able to, to be cash positive, right? Mm. To be able to manage your outflows, you need to make sure that you are figuring out where your money is going and you analyze that on a regular basis to stem where money is leaking out unnecessarily. So the purpose of a budget is to help minimize costs. So after you've done the budget, at the end of the period, which is one month, you're going to do a, a variance analysis. So what does a variance analysis mean? You take all the figures that you budgeted against what you actually spent. Then you do the difference and you see which ones you spent more and which ones you spent less. And then that can inform how you make your next budget and try to figure it out. From Is there. that the process of continuous monitoring? Exactly. Mm. Because at the end of the day, you, you are running a business that's a living being. It exists in a living society that's ever-changing. We talked the, on our first episode about inertia, mm. that change is inevitable. You can't avoid it. So in that context, you need to make sure that you are you are always continuously improving your business. And this is especially true when it comes to your cost structure and also when it comes to your, your cash flow strategy. Under the study of cash flow, there's that element of scenario planning. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to ask how scenario planning contributes to effective cash flow forecasting. And if you could share any example. Trust me, scenario planning is one of the most important things because, again, life is life. It happens. Mm. You can, there are things you can't control. That within, there are those that are within your control. There are those that are beyond your control. Now, when you look at scenario planning, for those that don't know what it is, it's to just pretty much role, play out different scenarios in your head. How is this thing going to happen? If... Jesse does not pay me on time. That's scenario one. What will happen? If Jesse pays me on time, um, what will happen? If Jesse pays me early, what will happen? If I get this contract, what will happen? If I don't get this contract, what will happen? So you have different mock-ups for different eventualities and that helps because it then you can then sit back and you're not taken by surprise by what ends up happening. So scenario planning is one of those things that Again, we will talk more at length about it because it's such a technical thing, but it's one of the most important aspects of of forecasting because you are playing out different eventualities. Like if I get this contract, if I don't get this contract, again, linked to your strategy. I think my biggest learning here is as an entrepreneur, you really have to be involved in the day-to-day -day of your businesses. If you can't at least afford that, but Jesse, you need to do continuous checks. But Jesse, can I just tell you something that's funny? It's like people mind their own business in their business, which makes no sense. It's your business, so it's your business to mind. It's your business. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you understand what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It's your business, but it's also your business. And so if you're not, if you're, if you're minding your own business in your own business, that makes no sense. Like it should. People will go on Twitter. To mind other people's business and forget that business that actually gives them income. That's actually that business. Mm -hmm. Instead of us going and talking about other people and what, man, mind your own business. Last question. 
and maybe one of the most important ones balancing growth and stability mm-hmm. how can a business strike a balance between allocating resources for growth initiatives and maintaining a health cash flow forecasting planning if you can plan well and forecast you can always predict percentage wise how much you can allocate towards growth because again i mentioned this that growth happens during the dry seasons mm. you can't grow when you have money because you will invest in that extra capacity and then you won't get the customers during the dry season so what you do is you wait towards the end of the dry season to invest 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 in your capacity in anticipation for the 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 plentiful season so that you can serve more customers and make more money so what normally happens is that if you just plan it out very well very effectively by the time um you you are going through a dry season towards the end maybe the last two months that's when you now start investing in capacity you will actually make make the money you deserve you grow your business the way you want to grow it healthily with enough cash flow always paying your bills on time never having those struggles in the beginning of the conversations we're having did you say that entrepreneurs are mad or <laughs> they are born hey <sighs> jesse are you paying me for this debate because <laughs> truth 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 be told I genuinely believe that innately an entrepreneur has something that he's born with that people who are just born with a talent but the talent is not a sure guarantee of anything you need to nurture it and train it it's yeah, because I, I just want to mind your business to ask how do I pick your mind and, and ascertain that I can also understand contextualize things the way you do Okay, I'm I'm going to sound like an influencer. Subscribe. <laughs> but but seriously, <laughs> seriously, if you really want to learn this stuff, that's why this podcast exists. Um this is why this show exists. Mm. If 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 someone is like, "Look, I really want to learn more about how to be an entrepreneur." Listen. Again, I'm available on social media. Um Salty is available on on all social media platforms. We post content. Listen in 10 a.m. every Saturday. This content is out there. What I would advise you to do is be very intentional. Mm. Because if you just listen to this and it's it's you have Jesse's deep voice and you have my my sultry my sultry voice. I don't know if it's sultry, but anyway. <laughs> um you listen to us and you're not actually taking notes. You're not actually putting this stuff into into action. It's useless, you know. And then that's one. But then two, if you really want to take it to the next level, again, look for me. Once you look for me, my company Salt Consulting Group, we do this for for clients. So you won't be the only one. There are people who come in, they have very good um revenues. They have very low costs, per- perfect brilliant perfect margins. Mm. Highly profitable businesses, but they're just struggling to pay rent. They're struggling to pay salaries. I can imagine. Yeah. Excited and looking forward to the next episodes for the next month. Thank you so much for listening to Living Entrepreneurship by Salty. We'll be giving you more information on how you can interact with our socials and how you can benefit more from this content. God bless you. Bye-bye. Kigali's big and bold radio conversation. There's always something going on. Your radio doctor, business, everything tech, and Rwanda's green agenda. Saturdays at 10 a.m.